Amen and amen. Now look at that person beside you and say, man, you're going, you're going, you're blessed going into 22. You know, I really believe that, and I want to share some more of this on Sunday, but I really believe that in 22, <clears throat> you're going to start to see more things happen than you've ever imagined. And I believe that one of the things that the Lord keeps telling me that, that is going to happen that to me is actually kind of funny, but he keeps telling me over and over again that you're going you're gonna to say things out of your mouth, you're going to pray things out of your mouth, you're going to speak things out of your mouth, and you're going to see it happen before it like literally falls to the floor. Amen. So if I was you, I'd get ready. Amen? So I want to share a, a little word with you tonight. And um, so just throw your Bibles open because I just want to do a little review there. You know, I shared Sunday on Psalms 27, you know, about that. Uh, I would have lost heartness. I'd have believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I talked about expectation. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, if you didn't get that whole message, go back and listen to it. And I talked about what it means to wait on the Lord, you know, and, and we don't like the word wait. But it really means to have an expectation. It doesn't mean to stand there twiddling your thumbs, you know, like being frustrated in the line. It means to have an expectation of goodness. I, I, I am going to set myself up for an expectation of goodness of God's hand moving for 22. And I want to encourage you to do the same thing. Don't look at the news. Don't look at all the things. Don't look at all the, the you know, and, and expect anything else to bring you joy. Look at the Lord and just be, be believing that God in 22 is going to do great things in your life. Amen. And so then I went on and talked about standing fast. I talked about that you've been justified by faith. I talked about that we have to learn to, uh, Jesus said that, that we're, we're going to walk in eternal life. And that word being Zoe. And, and I've kind of joked because the other day, man, I was tired. And, you know, it always is bad when you, when you preach a message like this, possessed with vitality. I was like, Lord, why do you even say that? I mean, you know, I was just setting myself up for a fall on that one, you know. But I was so tired and, and I got out and I was going to go do my walk. And so I just walk and man, I'm walking slow, you know, I'm barely moving. Muscles are hurting everywhere and I'm barely making things work. And, I, and then I started saying, I am possessed by vitality. And I thought, if anybody heard me, <laughs> they'd say, oh, Robert, man, he's digging deep. He's going crazy, you know. And I'm just out there saying, I am possessed by vitality. And, you know, I don't I, I believe that it did good. I didn't have just a, I was expecting a, you know, giant surge of energy, but I made it. I did it. I trudged on because I'm going to keep beating the door down until I see it happen. Amen. Amen. So anyway, I want to go here to John chapter 20. So I want you to go. So John chapter 20, verse 24. And um, okay, so <clears throat> let me just go there. So, okay, you know, if you, if you start out, you, you're going to read the chapter, uh, the whole chapter of, of John 20. You know, it's where uh, the, the, the women go to the, to the tomb, right? And they find it empty. And so all these things start happening, right? Let, let me just back up. Go to, go to verse 1 of 20, not where I was said. So, okay, so it's the first day of the week. Mary Magdalene, they go to the tomb. It's still dark. They saw that the stone from the tomb had been rolled away. They ran. They come. They go get Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved. Always, I, I, I made references for it. I just think it's funny that John 
refers to himself like that. You know, the other disciple whom Jesus loved. And then they said, and then they, they, they came in and said, they've taken away the Lord and we don't know where they've laid him. So then Peter went out and the other disciple and they were going to the tomb. So they both ran together and the other disciple outran him. So there again, you know, he's making light that, you know, he beat Peter to the grave. So anyway, God bless John. And so uh, they go in. So, so what I'm trying to say is there's this, there's this trauma that's taken place, right? It's, it's bad enough they've crucified Jesus. Now they've stolen the body. Now he's not there. And there's this situation, this panic, this, you know, uh, the, 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 the ladies are, you know, oh my gosh, the body's gone. You know, Peter and John are running there. They're trying to figure this out. And so, uh, you know, then they go in, uh, verse 6, and Peter comes in. They follow him. They go into the tomb, and, and then they see the linen cloth lying there, the handkerchief that had been around his head lying on the linen cloth, but folded together in a place by itself. And so then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also. He saw and believed, yet they did not know the Scripture. So he's believing something's happened, but he's not really knowing what's happened, okay? And so then the disciples go back to their houses, and then so... You know, Mary, then she has the encounter with Jesus, okay? And so my point is here is that there's all these things taking place, and then Mary has her conversation with Jesus, and she goes back and tells them. And so everybody's trying to, like, figure this out. And a lot of people, I think, right now are trying to figure things out. But, you know, sometimes you just can't figure it out. You just have to come to this place where you trust in God that he's going to make it all work. You can't, oh, this is going to happen, and then that's going to happen, and then when he does that, then this is going to happen, and then that's going to happen, and then we'll be back on track. Right? I, I, I don't, it doesn't work like that with the Lord. I mean, I've often thought about, <clears throat> say, say it was today, and Jesus was being crucified, and we're watching, we're the disciples watching, you know, what would we have done? You know, and you get to thinking about it. You, you, you would be like them in a sense. You're thinking all's lost. I mean, my gosh, how could you? You would never have thought in your mind that Jesus going to the cross was actually going to be the victory that was going to be for the world. That wouldn't have made sense. And that's why the Bible says that, you know, we have to have the mind of Christ because we can't always understand what God's doing and what, how things are taking place and why this is happening. And why is this going on? Right. So then we come, um, let's look at verse 19. So then there's the same day at evening being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, and the disciples were assembled for the fear of the Jews. So see, they're in fear. Not only are they wondering why Jesus is crucified, now they're figuring, oh my gosh, they crucified Jesus, then they're going to come after us. Is that what's going to happen to us? So they're hiding behind doors, they're locked shut. They've been quarantined. And so they've been quarantined and they're in fear. Jesus came and stood in the midst. Jesus came then and stood in the midst. <laughs> he says, hey, guys, peace. And when he said this, he showed him his hands and his side. And the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Now, this is one of the things that maybe I get, you know, we're this is the reason why religious crowds don't like me, because I see this in Jesus. He didn't have to do that. He could have knocked on the door. He could have showed up some other way. But I love the humor of the Lord, that they're in fear, they're freaking out, and Jesus just shows up and says, hey, peace, guys. And everybody's like, 
mean, because they knew that they were thinking somebody was going to come get them. And then all of a sudden, somebody's in the house with you, right? You're going to get a little freaked out. You're already in fear. And Jesus just shows up. And then he shows them. Hey, look, guys. Shows them his hands. Shows them his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So in other words, it's like, oh, it's Jesus. And then Jesus said to them again, peace be unto you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and he said unto them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven. And if you restrain the sins of any, uh, they are retained. Now, here we go. 24. Now, Thomas called the twin. One of the 12 was not with them. Where was he? The Bible doesn't tell us. But where was he? I don't know. I don't have any idea. I'm just throwing that out. It just hit me when I was reading this. I was like, well, where was he? Why wasn't he in the room with the rest? He was doing something. I don't know. Maybe he was going out to get food. Maybe he was trying to see what the attitude of the crowd was and what was going on, trying to hear some, you know, uh, info. He was trying to, he was at the coffee shop on the internet trying to check and see what was happening. I don't know. Okay. But he wasn't there. And so then he gets in there, and they said, the other disciples said, hey, we've seen the Lord. Now, this is a stretch to him, right? I mean, to all of us, but they're all saying this, and he hasn't seen it. So he said to them, well, unless I see his hands and the prints of his nails, put my fingers in the prints of the nails, and put my hands in his side, I'm not going to believe, because they must have told him, I'm, I'm assuming this, so I don't want to you know, mislead you. I don't think I'm getting off the, the, the here, but I think that they told him. He came and he showed us his hands and his side. That's why he said, well, unless I put my finger in it. I mean, I'm assuming that, right? And I don't, I'm not trying to preach heresy here. I just can see that happening. They said, no, he showed up, showed us his hands, because it said earlier, showed us his hands, showed us his side. Peter said, I ain't going to believe. I mean, Thomas said, I wouldn't believe that unless I could put my finger in there. Yeah. Right? Now, you really can't blame him. In a natural sense, you really can't blame Thomas because he did what most of us would do. You got some crazy Pentecostal friend telling you what's happening, and you hadn't seen that. You got somebody else. See, it's hard to get into somebody else's faith sometimes or somebody else's experience. And so Thomas is back there. We can't just really just, you know, bash Thomas. But he is full of doubt and unbelief. 26, after eight days, the disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. And Jesus came to the door, and the door being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. He just popped in again. Then he said to Thomas, Reach here your fingers, and look at my hands, and reach here your hand, and, and your hand here, and put it in my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And if you, another translation says, do not be faithless, but be faithful. Okay? So, <clears throat> this, is what I, this is what hit me. When he says, do not be unbelieving, but believing. So, in me, that, there's three places. There's unbelieving, then there's just not caring, there's apathy, and then there's believing. There's like, unbelieving is like putting your car in reverse. 
Now, you don't do it too often nowadays when you have a, a vehicle, you know, that you, there is an automatic and you, I mean, literally, you got to really not be watching to put it in reverse if you want to go forward, right? I mean, I guess it's possible somebody could do it. But in the old days when you had stick shifts, you could do it. You could think you were going forward when you actually put it in reverse if you weren't in first and you put over depending on what your gear combination was, right? But unbelieving is like going in reverse. You think you're going forward, but unbelieving actually makes you go farther backwards, right? You're not moving forward with the Lord. You're going backwards. Every place of doubt and unbelief takes us farther back. Doesn't get us closer. It takes us farther back. But apathy, when you're in apathy, you're like you're in neutral. You're not going anywhere. Your expectations nowhere. So what I'm seeing a lot of is there's a lot of people in the world right now. Everybody is basically in unbelief that anything's going to get better. So I'm telling you, you're going to go backwards. If you're in fear, fear is unbelief. And you're going to go backwards. It's going to make you sicker than you've ever been sick. You're going to have more catastrophes than you've ever had catastrophes. Hello? Fear's the worst thing in the world. Fear of tomorrow, fear of life, fear of what's going on, fear of this. Man, fear is the worst thing in the world because it takes you so deep in unbelief that you're literally going completely backwards in your life. Now, apathy, if you're just trying to remain neutral, you're not getting anywhere. You're not gaining any ground. All right? But what we got to be is believing. We got to be in the place where we're moving forward, even if it's just a little bit at a time, okay? Now, this is what's funny about this. You remember me talking about Zoe life, right? And that we're possessed with vitality. <clears throat> here, let me go back. I'm, I've got my scriptures messed up here. In verse 30. I'm back in John 20, verse 30. And truly Jesus did many of the signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. Now that word Christ there, it's the Messiah. It means he's the son of God. He is the anointed one. You're believing that Jesus is. That's faith, right? You're believing that Jesus is the son of God. He is the Christ. He is the answer for humanity. He's the answer for your life. He is the salvation of your life. He's the redeemer of your life. He's the one that sets you free. He's the one that gives you eternal life. Amen? I mean, that's just the bottom line. You're believing, so you're moving forward, believing that Jesus is Christ, the Son of God, okay? And believing that you may have life in his name. That word life there is Zoe again. It's the Zoe life. It's the fullness of life. It's, it, it, again, it's that, <laughs> you know, possessed with vitality. So now think of what he's saying here. Think of what John's writing here. The previous story is the story of the doubt and unbelief. Don't be unbelieving, but believing, right? Is the story of unbelief. And then he says right here, he gives us in verse 31, the whole answer to everything. He said, look, you got to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. The moment you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, then everything in the world changes. Because now you've entered into this high-speed forward gear. You're moving. 
Because see, you, you, it's all settled. It's not any other way. You see, if I just want the world to come to an understanding that there is really only one way you're going to have victory, and that's in Jesus. I don't care what you do. People can sit there and say, oh, but you don't understand. I've had victory. You know, victory, victory. You know, you know I, I became so wealthy, I shot myself in a rocket up to the space, you know. I, I, I'm everything. I, I've accomplished. No, you're not. That doesn't mean anything when you're talking about eternal life or what's coming hereafter. Right? I mean, that's, that, that means nothing when you're talking about this little speck. You're like a little speck, a little fly that hit my windshield compared to eternity. You see, that's what's always wrong with it. They don't compare things right. They're comparing it to the rest of us. And we're saying, what does it make any difference? Not here counts. It's there over there that counts. You're going to be so shocked when you're like, Try to get into heaven because you say, well, I, I may not have believed in Jesus. Now, I don't know about this guy. I may not have believed in Jesus, but I shot myself up in a rocket. It ain't going to cut no mustard. So my, my, what I'm trying to say to you is then why are we trusting in anything else but the Son of God? Why is our expectation in anything else but Jesus and him delivering us? Why are we having our expectation in, in, in anything, governments, societies, uh, banking, whatever, that we have our, our, the stock market? Why do we have anything that we are putting our expectation in other than Jesus as the Son of God? And he says right here, if you believe in Jesus as the Messiah, whoa, what happens? You get possessed with vitality. I've always thought it was interesting if you've never read the, uh, the book called Fox's Book of Martyrs, if you've never read that, you need to read it, get a copy somewhere, you order it probably anywhere. But uh, if you've never read it, you need to read it. And I always just read the stories and I was just like amazed at what was going on with the Christians. You know, it goes through the whole history of, of, of martyrs and, and people gave their lives for Jesus. And, and it would always talk about them putting them into the Colosseum and turning the lions loose into the Christians' praises would be rising up as the lions were attacking. And I always thought to myself, man, I don't know, man, you know singing praises when the lion's coming. I mean, I think I'd try to at least figure out how to throw dirt on him or find a rock or a stick or, you know, fight back or do something is what I was always thinking. But you get to understanding that people that get so close to Jesus and he's everything. And if you've been living in a society in a government situation like they were at the time where they were totally, completely put down and totally, completely stripped of everything in life, they had nothing else to believe in. And they believed in Jesus. And they're just sitting there saying, man, I'm about to, I'm about to enter heaven. Going to be a little rough for a second, but, but I won't be in heaven. Right. It changes everything. And we've got to go into 22 full of faith with our expectation on. Turned on, full throttle. And the only thing you really have to do to turn it on is right there. Believe that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the Christ. He's the anointed one. He's the son of God. And when you're doing that, you're possessed with vitality. And then everything else becomes just a shadow. You know, Psalms 23, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It's a shadow of death. It's not death. It's a shadow of death. And we know that in the brightness and the glory of God that no shadow can even be there because his light's so bright. He ain't got no shadow. He can't turn around. God doesn't cast a shadow. Right? We cast shadows, but when you are the light, 
You don't cast shadows. And we've got to be that way going into 22. And I just want to encourage everyone, everyone that's out there watching, listening, and everybody in here tonight, listen to me. Do not go into this new year downtrodden and woe is me. Go into this, this new year saying, God, you are so amazing. What are you going to do? Wow. What kind of miraculous thing are you going to pull off in my life? Lord, I'm going to believe you more for, in 22 than I've ever than than ever before of anything. I'm going to believe you for all my neighbors getting saved and everything over there taking care, getting saved. And I'm just going to believe you for this miracles and signs and wonders. And, and I, God, this is what I'm doing. I'm believing for everything. My expectations turned on because that expectation, listen to me, breeds an atmosphere for miracles. If you're trying to reason it out, you're not going to understand it. Just look at it. The ladies could not understand why Jesus, the tomb was empty. The disciples couldn't understand what had gone on. Quit trying to reason it. Quit trying to figure it all out and say, well, we've got to reason it because I've got to be in control of this. No, you only have to be in control of one thing. What are you believing in? And if you're believing that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God and he is your everything, folks, you got it taken care of. And 22 can be a great year. Be a great year. No matter what's going on, no matter how they, what, what takes place, no matter what the next wave of craziness is that comes up, hey, my God's bigger. God makes a way where there seems to be no way. Hello? And so it's kind of funny to me already, uh, been faced with some challenges, and I just laughed. I said, Lord, God, I don't know how you're going to work these out, but you're going to work them out. You're going to make it all work out. Uh, I'm not going to worry about it. I'll do what I can, but, you know, I just know you're, you're, you're the son of God, and you can do anything. And I want to tell you something, folks. When you start doing that, you breed an atmosphere for miracles, and you're going to start to see miracles happen in your life. Amen? So I don't know what your New Year's plans are, but make sure your believer and your expector is turned on, okay? That should be your plan, that you're going to get stirred up going into the new year. Then we're going to come here on Sunday. We're all going to get together. We're going to jump, shout, and rejoice. We're going to have communion together. We're going to, we're going to face, face the year with our chins up, with our hearts open, and we're going to see God do great things. Amen? Amen. So if you would, stand up with me. I want to pray for you. I want to just, just pray for each and every one. Lord, I just pray right now in Jesus' name as we Go into a new year. I declare it's going to be the greatest year of our lives. It, there's never going to be a year that's going to be as exciting as this one, Lord. We're going to see you move more than we've ever seen before. I, there's people out there listening right now, and, 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 and they don't know for sure that they're right with you. Lord, I pray that they get right with you. I pray right now they open up their hearts, that they would call out to you, Jesus, so they'd call on the name of Jesus, and they would be saved. I declare, oh, Lord God, it's that believing that you are the Son of God. You are the Messiah. You are the sent one to this earth to save us and redeem mankind. It's our faith and trust in that that brings the life into us. And so, Lord, I pray for them right now. I pray that where people have been downtrodden, where they have been, been captived in prisons in their minds of fear, I declare they are delivered in the name of Jesus. I declare that we're going to go into 22 and see greater things than ever before. I declare, Lord God, right now the, the, the laughter begins to come, the joy begins to come, the flood of your, of your greatness begins to flow into our lives. And Lord, I declare that we're going to tackle this next year 
We're going to run like we've never run before. We're going to leap over walls. We're going to run through troops. We're going to do whatever we got to do. But we're going to see victory, victory, victory in every area and every aspect of our lives. So, Lord, I declare, bless the people this night. Bless their finances. Bless their businesses. Bless everything that they have their hands put to, Lord God. And I thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church.